Um, we're going to continue in our Cultivating Our Culture series. Basically, we're on week three. If you haven't been here or um, maybe this is your first time with us, um, basically what we've been doing the last couple of weeks is we've been kind of giving our DNA for our church. Um, I haven't been here that long. Um, my first Sunday was the middle of October. I think it was actually for sure October 15th, which makes it easy for me to remember um, so that I can... Um, you know, remember how long you guys have all put up with me, which is important. Um, and since then, we've been kind of refocusing our church and refocusing in an area that we feel like God wants us to go. And basically, we've begun to do that in the end of uh, January. We talked about our vision and our vision uh, statement, basically. And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about culture things. And uh, the culture here is very important, and we want this to be kind of our DNA and be things that we always look at. Uh, we kind of, what we've been doing, in case, again, you haven't been here, is I've been kind of giving these little phrases, because I kind of like those little phrases. They kind of help me remember things. And then kind of basically giving you an idea of things that we cultivate. Um, I had a grandfather who had a beautiful, amazing garden. And that garden got to be amazing and beautiful because he cultivated the ground. And he got it to where it would need to be. So basically we understand that. And kind of our verse that we've been using as kind of our, our text for the, this series is Genesis 2.15. And in that verse it says this. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend or watch over it. Is my version. In the NASB it says this. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Tend and cultivate are the words here that we're looking at. And we have to understand really quickly our understanding of cultivation so that we kind of get our, our terms figured out so we know what we're talking about. Our understanding of cultivation is this. It says we will work at it, we will give a special attention to it, and we will encourage it and foster it to grow. So these are things that we are going to be in the process of doing. These are things that we have not arrived at yet. These are things that we are never going to arrive at. These are going to be things that we're going to be working at continuously through all that we do and all that we kind of are to kind of help people understand that this is what this place is about. I feel like a micro-machine man. Some of you that are in, born in the 80s or 90s or will understand that. Others of you will look at me funny. So we're going to start with two. We've been doing two a week, and uh, we're going to start with this one. And this one's kind of a funny one. I like this one a lot. And basically, it is, says this. It says, when you are green, you grow. When you are ripe, you rot. When you are green, you grow. When you are ripe, you rot. And we cultivate growth. Look at 2 Peter with me. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. It says this. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And let's go on to verse number 8. And it says this. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's jump on to verse number, chapter number 3, verse number 18. It says this, Rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What we need to be about is about growth. We need to be growing. Now, the reason I use this phrase and not just like you should grow is because I like what it says here. When you are green, you grow. When you are ripe, you rot. Now, one of the things that my family has always enjoyed is homegrown tomatoes. I don't know if we can grow tomatoes here. Can we grow tomatoes? Thank you. Okay, then we can stay. Good. We have done tomatoes. 
My grandfather's done tomatoes. My mom has done tomatoes. My wife has done tomatoes. I love one of the greatest things ever in the world is to go get a freshly picked from the vine tomato. Mom will get them. She'll take them off. Somebody, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know, and she'll slice them up. When I was a kid, when the tomatoes were ripe, we had tomatoes at every meal. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And some of you are shaking your heads because you have experienced the goodness that is a fresh tomato cut from the vine. And then we put salt on it, a little pepper, and oh, they're going to have them in heaven and they're going to be awesome. Okay? Now, the thing about that, how many of you have ever had this? How many of you ever had a fried green tomato? Yes, indeed. Okay? Those are good too. Okay? My grandfather would pick some of those green ones up, cut them up, put a batter on them. Put, listen, listen, if you didn't know this, you're going to know this. You could take the most horrible thing ever, put batter on it, put it in a deep fryer, and it becomes glorious. And so she took the fried green tomatoes, or he did, and he would cut them up, and he would do that with zucchini, and he'd do that with okra, and he would do this with all these things, because let's be honest, no one really, really, really likes vegetables, so we have to make them taste better. You don't believe me? What is broccoli without cheese sauce? You know what I mean? So we got all to do all this, and so we fried green tomatoes, and we put them up, and I remember as a kid going, Grandpa, why don't we just eat them green? He says, son... Because they're not ripe yet. I said, well, no, they're just not ready yet. And then they'd turn red. And then it would be time to slice them and eat them and they would be so good. You see, the thing about understanding something that's green is this. It's not ready yet. It still has to grow. It still has things to learn. It still has things. Listen, listen, you got to understand something about this place that you need to get. I am the number one in this, so if you don't understand this, you're going to know now so there's no confusion. I don't know very much. If you expect me to know everything, you're nuts. A lot of times I will literally say this. Somebody will say, I have a question. I want to talk to you about some theology issue. And I'm like, okay, great. And I always usually say this. If I don't do this, just know, I'm telling you now in case I forget. Most of the time I'll come to you and you'll say, hey, I have this question. I say, great, but I have one caveat. What is it? I have the right to say I don't know. Because I don't know everything. Listen, this place is going to be about growing. It's about learning. It's about having an expression and a discovery of who Jesus is. Remember what our mission is. Our mission is to help people discover and grow in Jesus. That means you too. This is about us understanding that there's still things for us to learn and grow in. It's understanding that you're still green and that's a good place to be. That's a great place to be. Because the following is this. When you're ripe, you rot. When you become red and you become like you know it all, rotting is going to take place next. It's natural. It's how God created it to be. And so your job here is to learn. Your job here is to grow. Your job here is to fight the idea or the thought that you have arrived. No one has arrived. How do I know that? Because this is not the destination. Okay? This isn't where you're headed. This is not where you were created to be. So if you think you've arrived, you're wrong because this is not your place. 
God didn't create you and place us in here. He created us and put us in the garden. Guess what God is restoring and bringing us back to? The garden. He is restoring us back. You have not arrived yet. You have not learned everything yet. I don't care if you got saved yesterday or you got saved under Moses. You don't know everything. And here's a beautiful thing about that. There is a great freedom in that. There is a great understanding in that. Because when we understand that we don't know everything, then we can go to the person who does. You ever met that person who thinks they know everything? Aren't they awesome? Don't you just want to spend all your time with them? Because they just are like, ah, they're, so, they're so modest, aren't they? Aren't they great? Aren't they just the most, like, like when I think of somebody I want to hang around in, it's the know-it-all. Teenagers. Yes. I dealt with them for 15 years. They were great. And know-it-all. No, Jesus. Awesome. Nobody. You know what I find is very interesting? I read a Max Licato book a long, long, long time ago. And I just always remember this phrase that he said. And he said this. He said, the God who knew it all never acted like a know-it-all. But you come up to most Christians, and they know it all. They know it all. And listen, here's, what, here's, what, here's the scary thing. If they don't know it all, they'll make it up. Y'all go on, yeah, I, you, they'll make it up. You'll have this, I mean, I, I've had these dis- discussions with people that, that don't know Jesus, and they'll ask me this question, and it's like their whole goal is to stump me. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what they want to do. And it's very disheartening for them when I go, well, that's a good question. They're like, no, 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 no. You're supposed to just make up some weird thing. Like, no, I don't know. Now, what I usually say is this. I don't know right now. Let me go look, and then we can talk. That's not nearly as much fun as screaming back and forth, is it? But it's a lot more mature. Folks, this is about growing. This is about no matter where you are, you're going to get a little bit closer to Jesus. You're going to know him a little bit more. You're going to grow a little bit more. You're never going to get to that place where we know everything. Because here's the thing. The second you think you know everything is usually the second that that God comes along and goes, guess what? You know nothing. Not because he's mean, but because he understands this understanding. He understands when you're green, you're growing. But when you're ripe, You're rotting. And listen, and I mean this with as much love as I can. And I'll be honest with you. You know, some people will go, oh, you're you're talking about a certain age group. I have seen it in every age group, okay? It breaks my heart when I see people who have refused to grow. When they have got to this place where they think they have reached it. I think Jesus had a name for these people. He usually called them Pharisees. And what's interesting about that is Jesus never had a problem with the prostitutes. He never had a problem with the people that were literally, in an instance, caught in the act of adultery. You get what that means, right? Not, well, this happened a week ago. She was caught in the act. Jesus doesn't have a big fit with her. But man, does he go up and down the Pharisees. Why? Because they have arrived. And here's the scary thing. 
They arrived so much, they had no idea who was standing in front of them. And you go, oh, those Pharisees, they were so silly. Oh, they were so crazy. Oh, how, how could they do that? Do you realize that a lot of times, let's just be honest with ourselves, we act more like the Pharisees than we do Jesus. We think we've got it all figured out. And we haven't. I'm very much convinced of this. Now, maybe you don't feel this way. This is fine. But this is what I feel. We are all going to, this is all going to end one day and it's going to be glorious. And we're going to go and we're going to be with Jesus in the new earth and the new heaven. And we're going to begin to start really learning all the stuff that we thought we knew that we didn't understand in any way, shape, or form. And I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of people, myself included, that are going to go, wow, I just so missed it. I want to grow. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to become more like him. I don't ever want to get to a place. I don't want our church to ever get to a place where we go, look at us. Look at me. Do you see all we did? Did you see all we did? Who did that? This guy. And you go, oh, that's funny. And we do that a lot. We do that a lot. I don't want it to be that. I don't think God has called us to be that. And here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to understand. You don't stop growing ever. You don't stop learning ever. God is much too big for you. Knowledge of him is far too great. Listen, we are going to have all eternity to learn about Jesus, and we are still not going to understand him. He is that big, and he is that huge. And if your understanding of God has narrowed him to a box, I'll just be honest with you, shame on you. Because you are missing the grandeur of our God. you got things to learn. You say, well, well Aaron, I, I've, I've taught this. I have a PhD. I have that. Oh, great, that's awesome. You still aren't even close. You still don't know everything. Let's grow together. Let's learn together. And if we understand that, let's understand this, that everybody's at different places, that we're all not on the same place in our journey. There's going to be times where people aren't going to be where you're at. And that's okay too, because here's the dirty little secret. You were there one time, and there was somebody where you are, and hopefully no one came up to you and said, well, you just missed it. You know, I'll just, can I just be honest with you, because that's just who I am, that's what I do. The world hasn't hurt me as much as the church. The people that have hurt me the deepest is the people that have Christian in front of their names. Why? You could say it's immaturity. You could say it's not understanding where people are on their journey with Christ. But let's be honest. If we took a, a poll, I, I got a feeling I know, and the question was, who's hurt you more, people out of the church or people in the church? I think very clearly I know what the answer would be. Folks, I suck. And it's time to change. How does it change? It changes growing. 
we become more like him. We understand that there's something greater. We understand that we haven't arrived. We understand that people are on their journeys in a different place. And I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I want to help you understand me. The Bible is very clear about causing a little one to fall and stumble. Jesus basically says it would be better that someone took a millstone, which is a large, huge rock, tied around their neck and jump in the water with it. Can I, can, I, can I just, as lovingly as I can, say this? It's time to stop causing little ones to stumble. It's time. Oh, I'm helping them. No, you're not. You want to help them? Love them. You want to help them? Put your arm around them and say, I understand and I'm here for you. And I'm praying for you. And if you need something, you give me a call because I'll be there. You know what they don't need? This. How could you? Going back to the woman caught in the act of adultery. What's Jesus say? He's the only one who has the right to condemn. And he doesn't. Now, very important here. He does say, leave your life of sin. That's important. We're not missing that. But remember who said that. Not the Pharisees. Jesus. Will we preach, leave your life of sin? Absolutely. But let's be honest. Sometimes what people need more than anything is not your judgment and condemnation. They need your love and acceptance. Because they're not sinning against you. They're sinning against God. Let's understand that. How does that happen? We grow. How does that become easier to do? We become more like the one that we are attempting to be like. We're imitating our rabbi. We're walking in the dust of our rabbi. We're becoming like him because we're his disciple. And we've got to understand that. So here... We are going to cultivate growth in every person, in every child, in every adult, in every person. As long as you are breathing in this place, we are going to try to do everything we can to help you grow. Because that's what we need to do. Next, the second one. We get off the sidelines. We cultivate servanthood. Let's look at Mark. In Mark 10, we have a very interesting Situation. Basically, at the beginning, I didn't want to use it all because I didn't want to, uh, I just thought I could do it a little quicker talking about it. Basically, the disciples are arguing about who's going to sit at Jesus' right hand. They're all arguing and they're all having a fit. They're all basically talking about who's the greatest and blah, 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 blah. And this is Jesus' response to them. So Jesus calls them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Now, I love that verse right there. We're going to stop right there because this is important that you catch this. This is not Jesus asking. This isn't Jesus saying, oh, you know, if you feel like it. This is Jesus basically giving a command. He is basically stating, here is what the world is doing and that you are going to be different than the world. If in this area we are same as the world, then we are not obeying the command of Jesus. Do you ever understand that? Let's move on. He says, but, I want, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. 
And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Let's go on to verse number 45. It says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jump on now to 1 Peter 4.10. It says this, God has given given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Listen, our job is to serve. It is not to be served. It is to serve. You want to be like Jesus? Great. That's an awesome thing to be. The question is, how are you serving? If you cannot tell me immediately someone you are serving right now in your life, then I'm I'm probably going to tell you you're not doing a good job serving. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. Who are you serving? We're going to cultivate servanthood. We are going to make this a priority. This place is not a place where you're going to come and be able to sit down and do nothing. That's not what God has called this place to be. God has given every single one of us, every single one of us, giving each of you spiritual gifts. What are we supposed to use the spiritual gifts for? To serve one another. Listen, I grew up Pentecostal. I love Pentecostal. Yeah, 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 yeah. You realize what the gifts are for. They're to serve one another. They're not for you to show off and tell everybody how spiritual you are. They're to be used by God to serve the body. They're used by God to edify the body. They are used by God to illuminate who he is to who? The body. We are here to serve one another. And not just one another that are in these walls right now, but the people that aren't. How are you serving? How are you making a difference in people's lives? You want to be like Jesus? Jesus served. I could have talked about him washing his disciples' feet. I could have talked about him doing numerous things. I just did this because it was simple and easy. Who are you serving? Listen, I want to be as clear and as honest as I can. And I may make some people mad at me, and I just, I'm sorry. I'm going to share what the word says. Period. This idea and this thought that you are done or that you have reached a place where you are no longer required by God to serve is an unbiblical concept. I will tell you when you are done, when you stop breathing. If you're breathing, you are commanded to serve. In some way, shape, or... Well, but Aaron, I can't speak. Well, then that's fine. Remember, you're getting different gifts. You've gotten gift different things. You're, listen, you are amazing at some things that I am horrible at. But that's what makes this beautiful. That's what makes this family so great. That's why Paul talked about a body and basically a hand and a foot. And he basically said, how crazy would it be if all we were were a bunch of hands? We'd clap really, really well. But we wouldn't go anywhere. Listen, each and every one of you God has given you spiritual gifts to be used by him to make a difference in people's lives. We will not be who God has called this place to be if you aren't a part of using your gifts to serve others. Period. 
listen, this is what's so great about this. This is, this is how I work, okay? So you understand this. You go, you go well, well, but I don't sing. I don't, I don't speak. I don't this. I don't that. That's awesome. You know why? Because quite honestly, we got people that can do that. Let's be creative for a second. Let's think outside the box for a second. What do you do? What are you passionate about? And how can God use that? How can we use those things to make a difference in others? Okay? How can we, how can we take those things and make a difference? You say, well, but, but I'm this or I'm that. Listen, listen. God has never been really good with excuses. You have gifts. Use them. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal who takes their gifts, digs a hole, puts it in the ground, covers it up, and goes, oh, I was too afraid. You know why that was such a horrible example? Because he didn't know the heart of his master. He said, I knew you did this. I knew you would be this way. He didn't understand who his master was. When you understand who Jesus is, when you understand the amount of servant type of ministry that Jesus did, if you want to be like him, you'll do it. You say, but Aaron, I can't do that. I can't. Listen, let's be creative for a second. Let's think outside the box for a second. Maybe you're not going to be the speaker. Maybe you're not going to lead worship. Maybe you won't do this. Can you hold a baby? Can you love on a kid? I'm convinced of this. There were women, grandmas, beautiful grandmas. I love grandmas. When I was in the nursery, six months old, my mom and dad would put me in that nursery. And these ladies would just hold me and rock me, pray over me, sing over me. Their reward in heaven will be great. You can do that. And I believe, in part, I am where I am today because of those prayers of those people. You can do that. You can hug people. You can care about people. You can walk up to somebody and say, how is your week? How are you? I think everybody here eats. Since you're going to have to anyway, maybe it'd be a good idea to eat with some people and share life with them. You're going to do it anyway. You might as well. How can we serve each other? Listen, one of the greatest questions that will ever be asked to me is this. Aaron, I want to serve. How can I? Now, just so you know, when you do that, my response is going to be something like this. I don't know. What are you passionate about? What do you like to do? What do you feel God is asking you to do? But listen, I, I, I mean this as much love as I can say. The days of sitting here and doing nothing are over. We are not going to get where we need to be if we're lazy. And again, I'm not saying, guess what? 
next week you're up here speaking. But I am saying you have a gift. And God commands you to use it. Commands you to use it. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Let's just be honest with ourselves for just a second. In the majority of churches in this country, we got that flipped around. We think that our job is to come to church and be served. Our job is to come and sit down in our nice comfy chair and wait for people to come to us. Well, nobody talked to me. Well, really? Who did you go talk to? I believe in something very strongly. It's something called self-responsibility. You want to grow? That's on you. You want to be a family? That's on you. I can't do it by myself. You will put me in an early grave if I try to do it on my, by myself. Now, some of you, that may be something you're wanting, but hopefully most of you, you don't want that. But listen, we're going to do this together. And to do it together, we have to serve one another in deep ways, in intimate ways, in uncomfortable ways, in ways that don't fit our schedule. ways that I truly believe will change us, make us more like Jesus, and change not just this church, but this community. When I was growing up, the worship team would come up, we're going to close on a song. My pastor growing up, he uh, performed my mom and dad's wedding, he dedicated me you know, we, we had a very close relationship with him. And he used to say, he used to say these little words. And maybe this is why now as we do this as a family, um, we have these little phrases because they kind of stick in my mind. But pa- his name was Pastor Johnson. And Pastor Johnson would say, he'd say, Aaron, it's as simple as this. People don't care what you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Serving each other is caring. Serving each other is taking care of each other. It's building an intimate connection with our family. And it's time. It's time to get off the sidelines. It's time to just stop watching and get our hands dirty. Get in the midst of the stuff that's going on. Get in the middle of the stuff that people are dealing with and serve each other in deep ways, intimate ways. Because here's the thing. I believe with all my heart that sometimes the things that make the biggest difference has nothing to do with me. And I love the word, and I love sharing the word, and I'm not belittling the importance of the word. Do not misunderstand me. 
but sometimes just having somebody that cares. means more than if I stood up here and talked for four hours. I'm going to close with this because I think it's important we understand. Children wanted to be around Jesus because they felt his great care and love for them. They didn't understand Messiah. They didn't understand restoration of Israel. They didn't understand God's substitutionary death for us. They just want to be around him because they felt loved. All that other stuff isn't is important. Don't misunderstand me. The people were drawn to Jesus because he loved them. Can it just be that simple? Can we save like a bunch of money sending me to conferences to learn how to build the church in three easy steps? Can we just say that maybe it's just loving people and serving them and growing and taking care of each other? I know that's, you know, maybe you were hoping of like something deeper than that. But you know what I find? The depth of God's love, that's, that's plenty deep for me. So here's what we're going to do. We've done this the last two weeks. We're going to do it this week, and we're going to do it next week. We're going to make some commitments. Not to me, because that's silly, but to God. We are going to, if we decide this, we are going to commit in prayer individually to God that we will be a part of cultivating these things. We will be a part of cultivating growth, and we will be part of cultivating servanthood. So this isn't a commitment to me. This is a commitment to your father. This is, God, I will be a part of this. I may not be perfect. I won't always do it right. I'll mess up. But I'm going to do all I can with your help to make this commitment to you. And I get to make that commitment verbally out loud in front of everybody. Because if I don't do it, if I'm not leading out front, then we're not going anywhere. So I have no problem making this commitment in front of you and with you. So if that's what you want, if that's what you desire, then I want you to pray with me right now, and then we're going to have the worship team come and lead us in a closing song. Father, we love you and we need you. And God, right now, Father, in my life, me as Aaron, as an individual, I commit myself to cultivating growth. Not just cultivating growth in my life, which I want to do, but cultivating growth in this place. That, Father, I will, I will help people have the tools that they need to grow. That we will turn up the soil. That we will add fertilizer. We'll do everything we need to do to make those things possible. But, Father, it starts with us. It doesn't start with somebody else. We need to get our eyes off of them and get our eyes on us and say, Father, change me. So, God, that's what I'm asking for. Father, I pray for growth in me. I pray that I would never get to a place where I think I know it all. I would never get to a place where I think I have arrived. But, Father, I will constantly, diligently seek you and desire to know you more. 
Because, God, you are big, and you are huge, and you are mighty. And, Father, I also com commit myself to serving people. That, Father, it, when, when something needs to be done, it won't be trying to pull teeth. That, Father, that it would be a situation where we literally have to say, okay, folks, we have enough. Thank you so much. We have enough people to do that. But we need help here. And there will be a lot of people that want to help there. That, Father, there would just be a, a breakout of servanthood. That there would just be a desire to be used by you. Father, you're not looking for perfect people. You're looking for people that are willing to serve and to do all that they can. That's what you're asking for. And so, Father, I commit myself to that. That, Father, that I will lead in a way that says I will lead as a servant. I don't want to be a Saul. I want to be a David. I want to serve and lead that way. And, Father, I want us to become like that. Because, Jesus, you didn't come to this world to serve, to be served. You came to serve. And if we're going to be like you, then we need to be the same. And so, Jesus, we commit to you these things. We also understand we can't do them without you. So help us. Help us. We love you and we thank you. You are good and you are great. You are mighty and you are strong. And we will be all that you have destined us to be. Because we are laying down our wants, our desires, our thoughts, our plans. We're giving them to you. And letting you do incredible, amazing, life-blowing things. Because that's what you want to do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.